0: The following audio is from Norris Ferry Community Church. More information about Norris Ferry Community Church is available at NorrisFerryChurch.org. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Well, it's good to see you. at this time of year. I always know that some people have a hard time worshiping if their team didn't win this weekend, and so I pray your team won so you can worship Jesus. Does that put you? Does that make you feel guilty? I didn't mean to do that, but I, I just acknowledge in the reality. Uh, hey, this week we're looking at uh, a great metaphor or analogy that Paul is using, which is the construction analogy. Which is pretty cool since we got a lot of construction going on. Did y'all enjoy the extra parking lot this morning? That was nice. That was very, very nice to have. There's a little more coming, but uh, it reminds me of when Dana and I—we were high school sweethearts. I married my high school sweetheart, and um, about uh, in that first year of our dating. I wanted a, a big-time job, you know. I wanted one that made a lot of money. That was a construction job. So I said, hey, why don't you get me a job with your dad and his, his uh, masonry contracting firm where I can make the big bucks. I think it was $5 an hour then. And I was like, that's serious money. And she was like, okay, you sure you want to? I was like, yeah, that would be awesome. So she got me a job. And so uh, I think they're still talking about me because I, was, I made that big of an impression. I'm not going to say which kind of impression, but I made an impression. And uh, when you go on to Centenary's campus, one of the newer buildings, that's my handiwork. In fact, I was so good in those two weeks that I lasted, I uh, heard dad put together a hard hat for me. And it says, Job, that's his name, Job Masonry, Job and Graham Masonry, Inc., Now, I wear it with pride. I know I look like a construction worker, but uh, I kind of think that maybe that was sarcasm that I only lasted two weeks because about two weeks into the job, I was passing out every day I got home on the bed, and Dana said, you are no fun. And I said, I don't care. I am dead. And she said, well, just quit. And I was like, I can't quit. Your dad will hate me forever. She goes, I'll tell him. I said, okay. And so... And so she said, Dad, he quit. And was like, he was like, ah, okay. I'm sure he was like, figures, a loser. You know, anyway, so uh, I quit. But uh, I think it was a pretty, imp- I made an impression on him that he wanted to make me partner in the firm. So, uh, you know, that's just the way it goes. So today, Paul uses construction analogies to talk about building the church. And the main idea that Paul is going to, to get across today is that what we're doing in here is a really, really big deal. That this is no small, no insignificant matter. This is monstrous. And and the, the point is that you and I need to take very careful, pay very careful attention to how we build his church. And when I talk today about building, it's exciting to have steel going up and concrete and all that, But but that's not what I'm really talking about. I'm talking about building the church, people coming together and growing in spiritual maturity, the building increasing in more converts and the building increasing in spiritual maturity. God is, is going to challenge us to say, do you realize what a big deal this is? And if so, you need to be very, very careful on how you act and how you behave and how you serve, and what your attitude is, and what you say with your lips in this gathering. Father God, would you help us this morning just feel the weightiness, the the significance of, of building a church, and realize that the great privilege it is to be a part of what you're doing at the same time, Uh, to realize what a great responsibility it is. And so, Lord, would you help us to take great care on how we build your church here at Norris Ferry in this community. It's in Christ's name we pray, asking this by the empowerment of your spirit. Amen. Okay, so using this construction analogy, we're going to... y'all want me to preach the whole time with that, with that lid on? I'm not going to do it. I know you'd have too much fun. That'd be all over social media. But, okay, so we're going to look at three elements of the job. We're going to look at the laborers. These are all coming straight from the text. I'm not making this stuff up. The laborers, and then we're going to look at the materials, and then we're going to look at the actual building itself. So first, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Verses 5 through 9, we're going to look at the laborers. 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 9, Paul says this. What then is Apollos? And what is Paul? Pause there for a second. What is he saying here? Remember last week we were in verse 4, and what he was saying was, you guys are unteachable. And you are not growing in spiritual maturity because you are too self-centered, too fleshly, too worldly, too pridely. And the evidence, the fruit of your worldliness, the fruit of your fleshliness is that you're all walking around celebrating these individuals. I'm with Apollos and I'm with Paul. And he said, that's ridiculous. And now he says, picking up where he left off, what then is Apollos? what what is paul they're merely servants servants through whom you believed as the lord assigned to each paul says i planted apollo's came later and he watered but it was god who gave the growth and so neither he who plants nor he who waters they're nothing but only god Who gives the growth is implied. Only God should be exalted. Only God should be made much of. We should clamor around God. We should idolize God. We should be all about praise God. For he is the one giving the growth. Keep continuing to read. He who plants, using agricultural analogies. He who plants and he who waters are one. And each one will receive his wages according to his Labor. We are merely laborers, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, you are God's building. So in these verses, pause there, Paul addresses the the shameful problem of prideful division, jealousy, boasting, self exalting, and the 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 idolizing of Paul and Apollos and Cephas and all these. He's saying this is ridiculous. You need to understand that on this job site, Paul, Apollo, Cephas, the leaders of this church, they are laborers. Now, if you were to walk out on that, work, on that job site, there's a crew of people working, and there is a hierarchy. There is a, a superintendent or a foreman overseeing the job, but the bottom of that, of that crew in position is the laborer. And so Paul, the apostle with the capital A, uh, who God commissioned himself, appeared to him and said, I want you to take my gospel and be the foundation of the church worldwide. I want you, big deal, I want you to do this incredibly important work, specifically in Corinth, God used Paul in powerful ways. God touched lives through Paul. People got saved. And and what does he say about himself? He says, man, I'm just the laborer on the job site. The laborer, you know who that is? I've walked out there and I love our laborer. He's he's actually a very tall, apparently a very excellent basketball player. But what is his job on this job site? He simply just does task after task what he's told to do. Walked up one day and I and I heard Mark saying, Hey, it's about to rain. Let's make sure there's nothing out here. I want all the trash picked up. And he's like, Yes, sir, and he does it. That's the nature of a labor. A labor is the lowest, it's diakonos. This where we get the word deacon. It's servant. It it's it those who waited on tables. And that word came to be known as the lowest of servant positions. And so Paul. Who is coming to this church and saying there's a lot of issues in this church and you're cl- clamoring around each one of our personalities? He goes, you need to understand, Paul is Paul is saying I'm just a laborer, I'm the lowest of servants. Apollos, man, I know he had a powerful impact on your lives. I know he came by, behind me after I left and moved on to Ephesus, and Apollos came and he was he was a sharp dude. He was gifted in the word. He was a real good discipler, and I know he's impacted your life, But you'd understand, Paul. Apollos Apollos is just a laborer. It's not about Paul. It's not about Apollos. It's not about personalities. It's about what God did in and through Paul and Apollos. Paul will be the first to tell you, look, man, when I walked into town and I was tired and I was broken and I wanted to quit and I walked into this scary uh, New Orleans-type town like a Mardi Gras season and I I had to plant a church when I was ready to just take a a sabbatical, my only hope was to preach Christ and Him crucified. And if God had done nothing, nothing, Nothing would have happened. But because God was working, when I just simply teed up the gospel, God did a powerful thing. That that impact that I've had on your life, that wasn't me. That was God working in and through me, Paul says. That powerful difference that Apollos has made in your life, that's not about Apollos. And I, I think he would say Apollos is the first to tell you that wasn't about him. That was about God. God was working in and through Apollos. So they're saying, look, we are merely laborers. Each leader's work, though, is valuable. He says, God assigned to us these different tasks. So when he says we're laborers, he's not diminishing the significance of their work. Everybody's work is valuable in the church. Everyone has the role. Every one of us gathered in the church... Coveting together to support one another, to glorify God, to spur each other on, to love and good deeds. If you're serving the kids in the back room, that is a very, very valuable role that you're playing. But as you fulfill that role, you're a laborer. As you lead a community group or co-lead a community group, you are a laborer laboring for the chief architect. That as you disciple someone over lunch and working through issues and, and teaching them the gospel and working through the word of God and helping them understand how the richness of the glory of God addresses that issue and spurring them onto faith and fanning the flames of faith. And that is vitally important. But ultimately, you're just a laborer. And if you've been in the process of discipling someone who is struggling with something, you quickly learn you're just a laborer. When they don't see the growth that you want. When you don't see the growth that you want. When you don't see it happening and you can't control it. You know you come to a quick conclusion. I can't change a heart. All I can do is labor. All I can do is feed the word. All I can do is is rightly divide the word faithfully. All I can do is pray God change their heart. And you learn quickly, we are all just laborers. Anyone in the business of laboring the ministry of the Word of God to others quickly realizes, I am just a laborer. And if God doesn't do something, I certainly can't do it without Him. And so Paul is reminding them, this is a perspective change for the church. They've drifted from the gospel to this man-centeredness. And he's saying, listen, there's no, there's no honor, there's no, there's no exalting of man over God. Just realize that everything good that happens in this church is God working through his laborers. In fact, the mood of the verbs, in Greek the mood impacts the way we understand it. The two verbs describing what Paul did and what Apollos did, are, the mood of those verbs indicate it was a, a, a one-time action that was completed, a completed action. Paul did this and he was done. And then he went to Ephesus. And then Apollos came. He did his labors and he completed his job and he moved on. But the verb for God gave the growth is a continuing action. God gave the growth. God continues to give the growth. And God is the one who is continuing to give life and fruit and growth in the body of Christ. And so it's like God is just carrying out his work. And then he gives individuals the great privilege to play a part in that. Hey, Paul, I'm going to let you be a part of this. I'm going to start a church in Corinth. I want you to be the one to go in. I'm tired. I know. I know. I want you to be the one to go in, proclaim nothing but Christ and him crucified, the forgiveness of sins, and I'm going to start a church there. And then Apollos I'm going to move Paul back over to Ephesus, and he's going to do some work over there. I'm going to bring you in behind Paul, and you're going to water that seed. You're going to disciple. You're going to do this. Okay, but okay, just, just do your job. I'm going to take care of the rest. So Paul waters, and stuff starts to grow. But God's the one giving the growth. God's the one that's continually giving the growth, even when they're finished with their assignment. That's the way it is in this church. When you're back there serving, every member in this church is committed to serve. When you're working in the parking lot, when you're taking the trash out, when you're changing a light bulb, you are doing your part of bringing about transformation of lives and transformations of this community because God is working powerfully in and through you. But it's God who's doing the transforming. And so he's saying, listen, I'm just a laborer, but I'm a laborer. In verse 9, we see the order in the Greek. It's, It's pretty interesting. The order in the Greek is important. Like we would do bold, italics, and underline to emphasize the word God. And in English, we can kind of see it because of the way it's written in English. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. In the Greek, if you put the word up front, That's the way you emphasize it. And so let me read to you the literal wooden translation. It sounds a little bit like Yoda. You know Yoda in Star Wars? This is where he speaks from. God's fellow, in the first service, I actually impersonated him. You want to know that? God's fellow workers, we are. God's field, you are. God's building, you are. See, that's how Yoda talks. It's literal translation of Greek. But notice he's saying, God's fellow workers, we are. God's field You are. And the you, we're going to actually get Southern Yoda translation. The you is actually plural. It's y'all. So he's saying God's fellow workers we are. God's field y'all are. God's building y'all are. What is Paul saying? This is all God's. This is all about God. This is all by God. The assignments that you have are from God. The growth that happens as you labor is God's produced growth. Your empowerment, your your abilities are from God. The life stories that we hear about people who are transformed, that's God's transformation. This is God's church. This is God's place. This is a big deal. And that's what Paul wants us to understand that this is all about God. it's for God's glory, it's by God's enablement. So Paul is saying to us, Norris Ferry Community Church, individual, local church, each of us who have hoped only, our hope is only in the blood of Jesus Christ, we're trusting only in Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. He fills us with the spirit of God. We covenant together to lock arms and say, we're gonna be the people of God in this community. We're gonna reflect the glory of God. We're gonna let the the glory of God and the the magnetism of God draw people into here. Let God do work in people's lives. We're gonna let God transform us. And as he transforms us, he's gonna show his greatness, his glory. And he's gonna do a great work in here. And we're gonna serve and we're going to encourage that in each other, and we're going to hold each other accountable. That's primarily what Paul is talking about here in this building the church. Now, all this can be applied in your personal individual life, but Paul is specifically using these plural pronouns saying, you all, this is about the church gathering together in covenant community and how big a deal that is. This is a big deal. And when you're choosing between all the demands on your life, when you're choosing between all the pools of of hobbies and sports and work, I get it. I get it. I'm sending my kids off to college. I've lived it. It is hard. But in those decisions, it's not about legalism. It's about priorities. And it's about understanding what a big deal it is to be here and to have your family here. It's a big deal. Paul wants us to remember the church is not about any one of us, it's about God. Every person here is is a work of God's grace. Every story of life change is God's grace. That literal building being out there is being paid by members, but that is a work of God's grace. There is no room for pride or for boasting in this place. May the Lord humble us. And look to him for all praise. So having established our position as laborers in the construction site of God's church. Next, Paul discusses the quality of our workmanship. In particular, he addresses the materials that we use. So let's look at the materials. This goes on in verses 10 through 15. Look what Paul says in verse 10 through 15. He says all this, according to the grace of God given me. Like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. That's each one of you. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will be manifest for the day of the Lord. We've learned about that. The day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he'll receive a reward if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. Though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So let's work through these and see what, what he's saying. In these verses, Paul says that he laid a foundation for the church. You cannot imagine how much work and how much money went into the foundation of that building. It's unbelievable. They came in and you watched it. They dug a hole and they dug a deeper hole and they just kept on digging deeper and deeper and deeper, five or six feet deep into the ground, into the earth, digging out dirt that wasn't good enough for them to bring in more dirt that looked just like that dirt to my eye and to fill it right back up and then to send me a massive bill for that. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Why did this cost so much? And they said, well, that dirt wasn't as good as this dirt. I said, it looks like dirt to me. And they said, well, that dirt had a lot of clay in it. And you should see the work that goes into this dirt. They, and, and there was no, just as the as, as Lord would have it, there's no dirt pit around here that's got dirt for us. They had to drive way away, very expensive gasoline, to haul that dirt back into here. And then before they dropped that dirt, they had to test it. There's a guy that we paid to come out there and put dirt in a bottle. And to check that dirt out. And then they stamp that dirt. And they measure that dirt. That dirt had to be good because this foundation is important. And then they pour concrete. And guess what they did then? Then they put cables in the concrete. And then they hook machines on the end of the cables. And that cables are pulled tight to make sure that concrete foundation is sound. Why do they put so much money and care into the foundation? Because if the foundation is no good, the building is no good. It doesn't matter how beautiful. It doesn't matter how sturdy that steel is. Because guess what? That steel is anchored into that concrete which sits on that dirt. And when that clay shifts, it all is coming down. So the foundation is massively important. Paul says, I've laid the foundation for the church. I'm going to give you one guess. What is the foundation of the church? Say it on the count of three. One, two, three. Amen. Let's call it a day. Let's go to lunch. Jesus is the foundation of the church. The church is made up of people who hear the gospel that Jesus Christ saves, only Jesus Christ saves. And when you hear that, you are ignited with love and faith and you are embracing that message. And so if you Understand this, the sole hope of your future eternal life is banking on Jesus and Jesus alone. Not Jesus plus works, not Jesus plus good deeds, not Jesus plus religion, not Jesus plus quiet time, not Jesus plus doctrine, not Jesus plus theology, not Jesus plus loving the earth, not Jesus plus anything. It's Jesus. And when you stand before the Father, he says, now why do you think I should let you in heaven where there's no sin allowed? As you say, don't look at me, look at Jesus. Because my hope is in Jesus. You said you'd take Jesus and give, him, give me his righteousness. I am trusting only in that. That's the gospel, and that's good news because none of us have hope apart from that. He says, that's the foundation. And so he says, that's the foundation. Now, be careful how you build upon that foundation, Norris Ferry Church. Okay, so what, what do you mean? How do I build on that foundation in a way that is acceptable? Okay, he says, first thing, verse 11, number one rule. No one can lay a foundation other than that foundation. So when you start to build on that foundation, don't go build another foundation. Don't say, okay, we got that. Now let's build the church on works. Now that we got the fact that we're saved by grace, let's go teach people they got to be good people to make God happy. No, that's a different foundation. The entire Christian life is grace. Grace, grace, and grace going deeper and deeper into grace is the spiritual process of growing. That's what we saw last week. We said that the key is not adding knowledge and Bible doctrine that makes me smart and prideful and puffed up and judgmental and condemning. That's not what God wants the church to be built like. That will be burned up in the end. Well, then what do you want? Well, God says, I want you to drill deeper and deeper. And when you learn doctrine and when you learn theology and when you learn the the word of God, it should be humbling you it should be transforming you you should be brought to your knees in grace amazement for the love that he has for you despite your sin and the way that he is so merciful towards you produces mercy within you and the way he is so forgiving towards you fuels your forgiving attitude toward others the way he loves you empowers you to love others So it's not a stacking up and building on and adding to the gospel. It's a deeper and deeper into the glories of the gospel that God says the spirit of God will change you radically as you do that. That's how we build on the same foundation. Paul is saying, I want the the superstructure on top of the foundation to be of the same quality and same material as the foundation. The foundation is the gospel and the building materials must be equal to the gospel. And so the idea here, the emphasis here is there will be a day of exposure. He's saying there will be a day where the work will be exposed as to how well you built this church. What is he talking about? He's talking about the day of the Lord that we studied at depth this summer. The day when Christ returns will be like, the analogy is like a fire, a flame, a wildfire that that storms through. And if you've ever seen the devastating pictures after a wildfire has stormed through, you've seen what a neighborhood looks like. And you see two things in those pictures. You see the slab foundation and you see these tall chimneys and fireplaces made of stone. And everything else is gone. And Paul's saying, the only thing that you do in this church that is built on the gospel, that is motivated by the gospel, that is fueled by the gospel of God's grace, that is about the gospel, that is deeper understanding of the gospel, if that's what you're doing back there with those kids is you're feeding them Jesus and and exalting God in their eyes and seeing the grace of God and what he's done for them, in Jesus, if that's what you're doing in community group, you're addressing struggles with the gospel of Jesus, and you're praying Jesus, and you're praying the Holy Spirit will will minister to their hearts with the word of God, and you're not leaving and and going away from that, but you're focused on Jesus and the gospel and how that addresses everything in our life, then you know what's going to happen when the fire comes? There's going to be a whole building standing. There's going to be a whole church standing. Because it's going to be made of stones. It's going to be made of gold. It's going to be made of silver. Because that's what he's saying. There's two types of building materials here. There's those that will last. That's the gold, silver, and precious stones. And there's those that won't last. the, the, The wood and the hay. When the fire comes through. It will burn up the things that won't last, the things that are made of man, the things that are man-centered. But the things of God and the gospel will remain. And So when the fire comes through, there will be this beautiful display. If we've built this church on the gospel of Jesus Christ, there will be a beautiful display to the glory of God. And he will reward us. You say, well, that sounds a little bit wrong. It's not wrong. The Bible holds out reward to say, live for the reward. Now, what does that mean? That means that on the day that Christ returns, the first fire will eliminate all those who hate Jesus and are rebelling against Jesus. But those who have built their life on nothing but the blood of Jesus will survive the fire and only be better because of it. They'll be refined by that fire. And their life's work will be evidenced by what is remaining, what is standing. And all of that will be only that which was done by the enablement of God's grace. And so it would be grace-empowered work. And so none of it will anyone say, look what I did. It'll be stuff that we will be on our faces, weeping and praising God for look what he did through me. What do we get out of this? Where's our reward in that? The joy. Eternal joy. You were created to find joy in bringing God glory. And on that day, your heart will explode with joy for all that God did in people's lives through you. And you will enjoy that glory forever. And then another forever. And then another forever. What you're doing here is a big deal. I can't say that enough. It's a big deal. You're just laborers. I'm just a laborer. But it's a big deal. So what does this mean exactly? It means as disciples, as church leaders, as church members, we are going to constantly be tempted to come up with something better than the gospel. You know what I'm talking about. You've been meeting with someone. You've been laboring, praying, crying, crying. God help them and it seems like nothing is coming of it and you're just so tempted to say well maybe I'm not doing something right or as leaders to be tempted to say maybe maybe it's asking too much maybe if we just didn't ask quite so much the Lord is saying listen this is a big deal don't, don't be enslaved to cultural relevance. The gospel is always relevant. Don't sell out to pragmatism. I have biblical wisdom that is, tells you how you should operate in the church. We're going to be tempted constantly to be more creative, more contemporary. But there's no hope in any of that. None of that will last We need to sound the depths of the gospel of grace. Exalt Jesus Christ. He and he alone will draw people to himself. Look down at verse 12. Paul continues. He says, Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold and silver precious stones, wood, hay straw, each one's work will become manifest. The day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test The sort of work that one has done. So you can be deceived by the work. You can fake it. It can look like we're doing a lot of great things. But at the end, it's going to be revealed. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. Though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. This is very interesting. Notice what he's saying. He's talking about believers. He says, the fire will, will come... And that will take care of God-haters, unbelievers. But of those remain, there's believers and there's something going on. And he says those who have work remaining will be rewarded. And those who, what they did in their life is burned up. There will be loss. There will be a price to pay for not being faithful laborers. As Christians. So what we're doing matters. Every Sunday. Every week. Your community group. Every day. Whether you're being faithful or not. It matters. Are you being faithful with the assignment that God has given you? Don't worry about everybody's assignment. Just focus on the assignment that God's given you. There is a day of accounting for what we do. So how do we apply this? This means we must never be self-centered and divisive in the church. If what you say with your mouth or post on your social media is negatively affecting the church, stop it. If how you behave in the church affects God's church negatively, That is not something that God plays with. You gossip. There's a lot of verses that talk about these things. This is serious business. Must never settle for that type of behavior. We also must never seek to build a church around personality. Around someone's ideas or thoughts or opinions. We must never settle for things lesser. Like man's wisdom or humanistic philosophy or, listen carefully, worldly secular counseling. simplest, Simplistic moral advice. That's not what we're doing in community group. We're not giving simplistic moral advice. Oh, just do this, just do that. No, we stop, we listen, we care, we pray, we seek God's face. It means that leaders of the church must operate according to biblical wisdom focused on biblical faithfulness instead of worldly managerial techniques and leadership models of the world focused on cultural relevance or pragmatism. It means that we must stay focused on Christ and his gospel in everything that we teach. It means that we continue to measure success, as we say in our values... We measure success as faithfulness to his word and fruitfulness by his power. I don't care if two people show up. If that's what we're doing, then we're successful. Finally, we consider the building. We've seen the labors. We've seen the materials. Now let's look at the building. Just verses 16 and 17. Here he is just saying, do you realize what a big deal this is? He says, Do you not know that you are God's temple? Now he's not talking about you personally. This is y'all again. He's not talking about your body as a temple, so treat it nicely, though that's a that's true. He's saying you, when you gather together, you are the dwelling of God like the Old Testament temple that was built with gold and silver and was amazing. It was where God descended His presence among the sinful people where there was a holy of holies that enabled the people who were sinful to be in God's presence and that was the, the, the sacrifice. The sacrificing of an unblemished lamb. And that cleansed the people that atoned for them to have God's holy presence dwell in their midst. And he's saying, that's no longer existent. But do you realize, that's what this is. The spirit of God dwells in each of you, but he dwells among us where two or three are gathered together, God says, there I am in the midst of them. When you come together as the body of Christ, you're the body of Christ with the spirit of God. God is here right now. That's a big deal. He says, did you not know this? If you knew this, you wouldn't behave this way, is what he says to them. Did you not know that you, you all plural, are God's temple singular? This place is the temple of God and it's made up of you plural. And then he has a very stern warning. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. Wow. Can he say it any stronger? All of you coming together, you're the dwelling of God. The spirit of God is in you and among you. And if anyone in here is hurting and destroying God's church, what does that mean? If you are hindering the glory of God going from this place, If you were divisive and backbiting and jealous and self-centered and self-exalting and living in sin and fine with it. If any of you is destroying the temple of God, God says, I will destroy you. I'm not sure where to go with that. Except, I'm not messing with it. I don't want to be that person. And I think that's the whole idea. So we're merely laborers for God. God gives us all of our assignments and God's grace motivates us to do our assignments. God's grace empowers us to do our assignments. God's grace is our assignment. God's grace is what we're giving, the word of God's grace. It's not about any one of us. It's all about God. This place must be all about God. This place must be all about God's glory. And it's so important that God says, you don't even understand how important this is. This is how I'm building my kingdom. Let each one take care how we treat God's church. Father God, we love you. And we hear your stern warning this morning. that this is a very special place. It's not about our clothes. It's not about our looks. It's about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's about are we being faithful to you to make you the center of attention? Are we living lives that Exemplify that you are the most glorious being. Do our lives, does this place, does our love for one another, does our care of one another, does our care for those who are hurting demonstrate your glory in this community? Are people hearing about how much, how loving? You've made us, How? what a loving God that they serve. Are people attracted to you because of what you're doing in and through us? Lord, I pray that is the case. Lord, I pray for the 40 individuals who are signed up for and going to Connection Group. And I think more are coming even this week. Lord, I pray for them. I pray that they see This is what the church is called to be. And if they've been drawn or attracted to anything less than your glory, God, forgive us. I pray that what they hear in Connection Group is this message. I pray, Lord, that you will protect the unity of the church, that no one will come to this church that's not coming here for this reason. I pray that we will not yield to temptation as leaders to try to be culturally relevant or pragmatic in any way that compromises the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that individuals here who have not put their faith and hope solely in the blood of Jesus Christ will repent right now and cry out to Jesus to save them. Lord, build a name for yourself right here at the corner of Southern Loop and Norris Ferry Road. May this community see your glory shining through us as a people. And may this community be transformed by your grace. It's in Christ alone that we pray. Amen.